Everybody's doing all right today? It's going to be a good one today. I love this time of the year. This is my absolute favorite time of the year, minus the heat. Need it to cool off, am I right? I saw on Tuesday it's supposed to be 100 degrees. This is not Arizona, people. Yeah. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, Philippians 3. Man, what a service last week. A lot of people. A lot of people baptized. Congratulations to all the people who went public with their faith and baptism. So awesome. And had some good food after church, am I right? How many of y'all had a good nap after that? I'm telling you, some good old jambalaya put you down. Take a good nap. I'm telling you, all that rice just fills you up. That's that comfort food. We don't have jambalaya today, but we still got Jesus, amen? All right, good. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. How many of y'all know somebody who just thinks they're perfect? Y'all know that person? No, I didn't ask you to point at them if you're sitting by them. Some fellas feel like they're going to get some brownie points. My wife does. Don't do that. That's not brownie points. That's doghouse. Okay. This is Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. And he's, he's telling them. And I, I need you to grab the context of it because Paul's a big deal. The Apostle Paul is a big deal, y'all. Am I right? I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This is not just one of your regular guys. This is the real deal, the colossal apostle. Can we call him that? And he starts and he says this, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. And it's almost like he's given a disclaimer because he needs you to know, you think I'm all that, but I'm really not all that you think that I am. And in our culture today, we got some people that we think are all that. But can I tell you, they're not really all that. They just look like all that. But in real life, trust me, they have relationships that let them know you're not all that. And Paul has this relationship with this church, and he's letting them know I'm not all that. I'm not, I'm not perfect. Thank God for his humility. But this is what he says. He says, but I press on to, to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Now, when you hear... The word perfection, it can kind of mess with you a little bit because I think there's still some honesty left in our lives. At least I hope there is. Where we know that even as believers, some of you as veteran believers, we know we're not perfect, right? You may have good church attendance, but it's not perfect because you did miss that one Sunday. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes there is this drive for this, watch this, I'll say it this way, this appearance of perfection. And for some reason, we think that people will buy our appearance of perfection, but they really don't. But we think they do, and it puts this pressure on us to try to turn into somebody that really we can't even be. And that's not to lower the bar here or to lower the standard, but it's to help you to see that there is only one who's ever been perfect. And his name is Jesus. And y'all remember what they did with him. They crucified him. 
But when he begins to talk about perfection here, he's talking about a maturity in the faith. Growing up, not just to reach a status, but to be the man of God that he was meant to be. That's what we're talking about here. So he says, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I'm not there yet, but I focus on this one thing, and this is really where I want to bring your focus in today. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward. Say looking forward. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Then he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let us... Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. I thought it was interesting he threw that verse in there. Let us agree on these things because a lot of times people as they get older, and I'm still trying, I mean, I'm not there yet, so I don't know what this is all about. But as people get older, they tend to reflect back more than they look forward. Am I right? The good old days. And we're led to believe that the good old days are done and that if you're a young person coming up, there are no good old days for you because we already had those and the whole world's falling apart and good luck to you. You'll never be as good as we had it without air conditioner. (laughs) We don't know what we're saying sometimes, am I right? Let's just imagine the AC not on right now. I don't want to find out. Let me finish reading the verse. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. He slid that verse in there too. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Jesus used this verse today to speak some things to us, to our church. Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross so that you could purchase us because you had something so much greater in mind. And there's some good experiences we had in our life. But we still believe there's more. So today we look forward. We look forward. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Uh, This month has been one of the most incredible months of our lives for Cynthia and I as parents. Uh, And I will not get emotional in the name of Jesus about this. Uh, My boys moved out of the house this month. And they've been with us. Elijah's been with us for 20, almost 21 years. Judah's been with us for 18 years. And those of you who have done this already, it's kind of like, yeah, we know how it goes. For those of you who haven't, it's hard, okay? And uh, there's been lots of tears and cherishing a lot of milestones. And this weekend, we brought Judah to Pensacola, and he's starting UWF uh, tomorrow. And so uh, super excited for him. And so as you're going through this whole process, it's amazing the download of memories that you get in a matter of 24 hours. And uh, that's just you personally. And then your social media stuff kicks in. And uh, yesterday morning, I wake up and I had a memory on my Facebook page. And it was of Judah when he was starting Pop Warner football. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm tra- I mean, this is already a tough moment. You want to take me back to this little dude running in with his Under Armour tennis shoes on with the bright green. I'm talking about fluorescent green laces on them. 
I'm talking about that, that, that little dude was glowing like a glow stick, man. And, and, and it's all these little pictures and all this hype and everything. And you have these moments of realizing that's not going to be at our house. Now, don't you get emotional. Just come with me. I'm setting this up uh, really good. And so I, it's the emotional hook. And then I could say things to you, okay? And so uh, so we're, we're at his dorm room yesterday, and we're getting everything set up, and we get finished. And so it's kind of like, well... What are we going to do? can't just stand here. And so we, we gave him some encouragement, some affirmation, and prayed over him. And uh, I have to be honest, that was probably the hardest prayer ever to pray, uh, just the emotions. It just wasn't coming out. And so you regather yourself, and so he's walking us out to the car. And, you know, it's going pretty good because it's hot out there, and they're taking pictures, you know. And we got people, hey, you want us to take your pictures? And this one guy, he did the picture for us, and it was like from the head up. Fellas, if you're taking pictures for a family, come on, get some of the abdomen in there. And, uh, so anyway, we're taking the pictures, and then this is it. This is the moment right here. This is like the, the hallmark moment. And uh, so, you know, you got to hug them and everything. It's like, all right. And Judah, Judah's not the most affectionate person, and so he's getting a little sentimental and affectionate. So it's like, oh, this is real. You know, like you're just hugging. And so, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, it's that moment. And then uh, he's like, all right, I'm going in. And he turns around and he's walking. Didn't do good. Cynthia and I didn't do good. A lot of tears. And you know what? I don't know if you realize this. The entrance to the, dorm, uh, the dorms looks so much like the entrance to the hospital that the boy was born at. And I didn't tell her that yesterday because I knew she was driving home. We wasn't going to make it. I didn't say that, but it looked a lot like now. You just, There you go. It was like, whoa. And uh, everybody, you know, checking on us. How are y'all doing? How are y'all doing? It's like, we're doing okay. And it's like, we're not. But we are. Um, and at the same time, there's this flood of memories. There's this looking forward to what lies ahead. There are so many moments that you wish you can freeze in time because it is awesome. But then there's so much you want to see them accomplish and step into. And the thought that I had with this for us is this. There's so many thoughts and moments and and experiences that each one of us have had that we wish we can go back to and freeze the moment. I've been at so many youth camps with our students, man, and there are some moments, and you can ask any of our middle and high school kids, man, there are some moments at youth camp that are just the best. Like in all, I mean, they are just the best moment. And you wish you could just freeze time and stay there and you hear the kids, man, back at camp, at camp, at camp, but we're not at camp anymore. We're moving ahead. We're moving forward. And there are some moments in your lives that means so much to you that you have been looking back to because you're not sure there's anything better ahead for you than that because it was that good. Come on, thank God we had some great moments in our lives, am I right? And so we would love to go back to those moments and everything those moments gave us, the emotions, the excitement, the affirmation, all of those different things, and we sound like Uncle Rico on Napoleon Dynamite. If I can go back, if I can go back, we would win state. If I can go back, and here's the reality, we can't go back. Some of you are like, who's Napoleon Dynamite? 
Trust me, there's a group of people in here that know full well who Napoleon is. Did we just say that in church? We did. Yes. So yesterday, just so much reflection, so much ideas, but at the same time, we drove away from there knowing this little man is about to go for it. He told us uh, Friday night he went to this social event. It was called Club UW because he goes to UWF, and dub is short for W for those of you that are a little slow this morning, didn't have enough coffee yet. He said, Dad, I was trying to talk to people, and so I was going to and shaking my hand, shaking their hand, saying, hey, my name is Judah. What's your name? And he's like, some of them wouldn't even tell me what their name is. It's like, well, keep trying, son. There's another thing tonight, so keep trying. But just you, you, you see these kids and their lives and there's so much excitement for for who they can be and you see it for them and you believe it for them and you're excited for them and and I think at some point in our lives we forget as moms and dads for those of you who are parents we forget that there is still someone who is a father the heavenly father that is thinking that for you that is thinking that hey even though you got a lot of miles on your, on your life, even though you got a lot of milestones and memories, there are some things that the Father still has for your life. And when we're living our lives in the rear view, constantly looking back, believing that the best has already happened, there is the potential because of our focus on the back that we can miss what's ahead of us that we can miss some, th- some things that God may be bringing into our lives that better yet we have prayed for and asked God for, but because we don't know how God can do it, we just reflect back to what he did and we get stuck there forgetting that our God makes things happen. Amen? Amen? And so today, I want to start a little, I guess we'll call it a mini-series, I don't know. I want to talk uh, this message called Looking Forward. Looking Forward, And I'm going to use it to bring some, some words to you personally, but also want to use it as we look forward uh, as a church. Uh, by the way, last Sunday, um, we, we, we wrapped up our Stock the Shelves campaign to, to partner with uh, Second Harvest of the Big Ben. And, and we have tons of groceries, by the way. But then we also have $2,000 in donations that are being, all of this is being delivered tomorrow. And, and this is what's so awesome. That's like courtesy clap, like, yeah, okay. Don't, don't do it now. You had your chance, okay. Uh, this is what's so great, though. This is, this is people giving, not just saying, oh, I'm not going to tie this month. I'm going to give to this. This is like over and above. This is so awesome that people make the decision to do that. Uh, Fourteen people made their faith public last week through water baptism, and you witnessed those moments, and it was awesome. And you, you have these moments of like, I can't wait to see, watch this, what God is going to do in their life. That's looking forward. When did it change for you? When you saw all of the students lined up up here last week, come on, you were shocked. You were like, I didn't know we had that many kids here in this church. They're just stacked everywhere, man. We're just squeezing them in rooms, trying to minister to them, and it somehow seems to be working. I feel like the Lord's putting a little emphasis on that. Just that sound in the background. And you saw the high school and middle school and college students standing up here. And uh, you, can't, you can't help but think of the future. For them, you can't help but think of the future for the church. 
for Emerge Church because when you see the, the presence of generations in a church, it causes you to look at it a little bit differently because you see that there is a, a message and an example that is translating. And I'm not just talking about ages, by the way. Some of us are too conscious of our age. Most of the stuff in the Bible, they're referring to generations. They're not looking at age limits or anything like that. They're looking at generations of people, generations of families, generations of believers, spiritual sons, spiritual daughters. And so it's a generational approach. But when you see generations represented in the church, it awakens you to see that what God has begun is going to keep going from our generation to the next, to the next and when I look at the book of Philippians, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed with all of these different books of the Bible because when Jesus walks on the earth, these churches weren't in existence. Jesus comes and he brings the gospel and he's preaching the message of the good news that so many people needed to hear for the forgiveness of their sins. And out of this movement that Jesus began, this gospel movement, it moved people's lives, not just from the place of, I need to be forgiven, but it brought them to the place that they could do something for God. This was a maturing process to where they weren't just standing there hoping to make it to heaven, but they stepped into the place of, I'm going to get to heaven and I'm going to bring some people with me because the message that I have heard, I can't just keep it for me. I need to give it to them. I see something for someone else. And God could use me in my life from all that I came from and all that he's doing in my life to touch someone in their life right now for what he wants to redeem from their past and where he wants to take them with their lives. This is what's happening when you look at the book of Philippians. And Paul is just writing a letter because he started this church and there's a pastor in place, but he's moved on to start other churches. This is another generation of the gospel that is fast forwarding. It is advancing because what is God, what God is doing, not just in one person, but through generations, through one person. This is why it's so important what God does in your life because you have no clue the generations that come after you, the impact that it's going to have on their life. You say, but pastor, if you knew my kids right now, you would say God needs to do a miracle. I know, but let God keep doing a miracle in you and they will see it. Come on, so that when they hear about it, it will make sense. It won't be a disconnect. It will all come together for them. Amen? And so the book of Philippians, this is another generation, and this is the church that is beginning to, to expand and not just growing out, watch this, but growing up. See, a lot of times when it comes to church, we're impressed with growth because more seats are filled. And that is the church growing out. But when the church begins to grow up, that's when real growth happens. Because as long as we have someone else taking care of us as believers, we haven't matured yet. I'm not concerned about my son taking care of himself at college because we have taught him all of those things. Now he will continue to do what he has been doing. It's been practiced, and so now he carries it on. And as believers, a lot of times, we like people to feed us. Just a slight nudge to your neighbor. Slight, not hard. Don't be too aggressive. Just slight. 
We like to be fed. Listen, I love it whenever I can hear a message. And that preacher is just on fire, like getting me like just worked up. Let's go. But I don't hear that preacher every day. I've got to get in my word. Listen, I'm not fixing my 20-year-old son nuggets. We can be sentimental about this all day. But son, I ain't fixing you nuggets. You can fix nuggets. Can I get an amen from a mom or a dad in here? Some of you got some 13-year-olds. They need to learn how to make some nuggets. And some Easy Mac. You say, Pastor Wade, you're promoting bad food. Be a parent of a teenager long enough in anything. Anything. Yeah, feed them all that stuff early, but later on you'll be just throwing it at them. (laughs) Something to look forward to. (laughs) There's a maturing process that God wants to take us through as believers, to the place to where, yes, we can be fed. Last week, you were fed incredible food. That wasn't nuggets. That was jambalaya. Okay? That's another level. And there are those moments. But listen, that daily peanut butter and jelly, you can fix that. And that daily going to the Word of God, you can fix that. You can go to the Word. But watch this. This is the process. This is the progress. God will give you Some moments where you're reading your Bible and you will write some things down and pay attention for it because somebody's going to come into your life and they're going to need encouragement. And you've said long enough, I don't know what to tell them. And then you'll remember, wait a minute, I was reading yesterday and I just wrote this down. And oh, it was for me, but it's also for you. I'm going to share some of my nuggets with you. That's a maturing process because if you got little kids, they don't share nuggets. They steal nuggets. Muggets. <laughs> um, in this letter, Paul is telling them, let's look forward, but let's hold on to progress. Um, believe it or not, it looks like the early church was not much different than today's church in a lot of ways. By the way, it's because it's people. And people are peoply all the time, okay? And um, it we get this tone that they were holding on to the past. And we got those stories, how it used to be. We also have those preferences of how it used to be and how we liked it and how it worked, um, for, uh, for us personally, because it impacted our lives. And I've had them, you've had them. Uh, Cynthia and I, we were youth pastors for 11 years before we moved here to start the church. That's a long time, 11 years. Most youth pastors make it a year, if that. We went 11 years and loved every minute of it. And for our own kids personally, we wanted our own kids to experience the same thing in a youth group that we were given to the kids that we were leading as youth pastors. We wanted them to have the same kind of experience because we knew, hey, it worked for all those kids, and if it worked for them, it's going to work for my kids. And so we're pastoring a youth group of two to 300 kids back in Louisiana. We move here to start the church, and we have like six 
in the youth group. Like we all fit in the van. We all fit in the SUV. You know what I'm saying? The youth group we had was multiple buses to go places. Couldn't go to Whataburger with the whole youth group. Stress out everybody behind the counter. They shut it down and say, you got to move on. Six in the youth group, we going to Whataburger. And they're not stressed out. No one behind the counter is stressed out. But we wanted our own kids to have this experience of a youth group with its own worship team. And setting up, not just going to someone else's camp, but putting on your own camp. And doing your own youth conference where the other youth groups came to your youth conference. Like, we wanted all this. We wanted our kids to have these kinds of experiences. And it was, it was so important to us, and we would pray for it, and we were working for it. And that was not the experience that my kids were getting. And it would lead us as parents to believe, unless they have that, then this cannot happen. And that was the thought for so long until we saw them growing up in the Lord and realizing that even though this isn't that, there's still something that God is doing in their lives and this that even that can't give them. We started to learn there are so many things we were able to do with a smaller youth group that we couldn't do with a larger youth group. Discipleship on a scale with a smaller youth group. And I'm not promoting, hey, you got to have a smaller youth group because we're going to blow this thing up, okay? And so don't get too comfortable. But I just need you to know that just because it was like that doesn't mean that this doesn't work. Can I get an amen from somebody? And to see my kids, my own kids, growing in their relationship with the Lord, and not just going to youth group, but growing in their relationship with the Lord and maturing, and it's not just about them, and they're not just trying to stay saved, but now they're serving. That's where you begin to get this picture that, wait a minute, God was faithful in that season, in that generation, but he's also faithful in this season, in this generation. And it reminds you that God is the same. He is never changing. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And we're stressing about things that God already has in control. Come on now. Now, I'm using these stories from our personal life to paint a picture for you because I do believe that we have this thing called a control issue. Control. Some of you are already watching the clock. Because you're so nervous that we're going to go long. And as a predictor, I can tell you, we probably will. Maybe the Lord's doing that to help you relinquish some control so you can step into some new things in your life. That's what it is. At least that's what I believe it is. Come on, man. Love it. Um, the Lord's been speaking to me as I've been praying that there's many people who are stuck in the past. And I'm not just talking about church stuff. I'm talking about life stuff. Looking back and the way it was, the way it was when you were in high school, Listen, you're not going to score another touchdown in high school. 
You may watch your kids do it, but you're not going to. I know you were fast in the eighth grade. (laughs) But now it takes you forever just to get out of the bed. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know they called you all those fast names. But now they're passing you up. And I really believe that this is a, a serious issue in the church because we're looking back behind us. And I, I will confess, these are even moments that I have because there were some incredible moments in my life from the Lord. And I'm not saying dishonor those moments. I'm just saying realize what those moments were for. They were to get you somewhere and not just keep you somewhere. And I felt like the Lord has been speaking this for several weeks to me to share with the church and say this. It's time to dream again. It's time for you to dream again. And I I, I want you to, to understand what I'm saying here is I'm not talking about when I grow up kind of dreams, you know, because when we were all little, we all grew, when we grew up, we were going to play football. We were going to be astronauts. We we're going to be fire firemen. We were going to be police officers and all those things. And some of you have done those things. And that is awesome. I dreamed of playing in the NFL. I played in the band. It was awesome though, man. Don't hate on the band people, man. We bring atmosphere to the games. Trust me. Think of it this way. All of your past experiences work together. I pray the Lord convicts somebody for picking on the band nerds right now, too. There's a trombone player in here that got picked on in high school, and they needed to hear me say that right there. Thank you very much. I hope it's a first-time guest. You know what I'm saying? Because they're like, I love this church. Preacher standing up for the band people. All right, back to this. Passionate about it. Okay. The experiences from your past... Um, actually work together to get you to where you are right now, okay? And that was a lot of the Lord's doing, by the way, because we know Romans 8. He causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. But I want to tell you God wants to do something new in your life. One of the timeless verses is out of Isaiah chapter 43, where the Lord speaks and he says, forget the former things, behold, I do a new thing. And sometimes we think that God no longer does new things. We think that the Lord just kind of did it and sat back and said, I'm done. Good luck, y'all. But I want you to know that God is still doing some new things. And he's still creating new life in people that need life so much. He's still stirring up new things in people, even though they may reach an age where they think, well, the Lord's done with me. I need us to know that God is still doing some new things. And Paul said, forget the past and look forward, look forward to what lies ahead. And I've got three words today that I want to give you for our church as we begin to look forward. And they're not just for, let me say it this way, not just for this organization. Because you may see this in print and say, yeah, that's, that's what that church does. As members of a church, as people in a church that belong and are committed to a church, this isn't just what that church does. This is a vision that is for us. Look at your neighbor and say it's for you. It's for you. 
This is for us. There, there's not just this, this imagination goal in mind. This is a strategy. This is the direction. This is the movement that I believe that God has for your life as you move forward. Because there's a lot of people that are stuck in yesterday, that are stuck in what used to be, and they can tout their successes from that one time, at that one job, or that one school, but lately it's not been a lot of success. It's just been grind, grind, grind. And we think, I just point back to my success, look at my trophy on the wall. And listen, there's more to life than trophies on the wall. Amen? There's more to it. There's still some things that God wants to do in your life. You may be at the stage where you've already been married and you got kids and your kids are growing up. It's kind of like, well, if we can just reach the finish line. When they turn 18, there you go. Good luck. You ain't going to feel that way. You'll be stressing out. Did we do it right? Did we mess up our own kids? We were worried about everybody else. Maybe we messed them up. Oh, we need therapy. Come on, you might be single in here and you got you you're like, I got all these goals and all these visions, but oh my God, what if I don't find somebody that has the same goals and visions? I'll never get married. Oh, there goes my life. It's all these thoughts. Like, like, watch this. Imagine being a kid graduating from high school right now and getting advice from someone who is like two generations ahead of them. Well, let me just tell you, the world ain't what it used to be. It's all falling apart. We're going to hell in a handbasket. Good luck. When you were coming out of high school, two generations ahead of you was telling you the same thing. And somehow you made it through the craziness. You made It had to be the grace of God. Am I right? It had to be. And so why are we doing that? Why are we trying to put our bad experiences on someone who is looking forward? And I got to speak this word because sometimes in church we do that to people. Oh, I know you're saved, but you're just in the grace period right now. But you just wait, the devil's going to attack you. I ought to attack you right now. Am I right? Let's go, bro. Don't tell people that. I just want them to be aware, Pastor. Listen, they got enough going on in their life. They are aware that I need the Lord. They didn't need you to warn them. Am I right? Anyway, some, some of the old school fire and brimstone people are getting offended right now. And I'm glad you are. You need to be. Because you need to start looking forward. That's why you're so mad. Because you keep looking back and you can't have that touchdown again. All right. Three words that the Lord has been speaking to me. They're common words, and I'm going to break them down. And this is a word for our church. This is for us. We've got to take this personal. Okay? There are three words the Lord has been speaking to me for our church. The first word is faith, which y'all are like, kind of, yeah, Pastor Wade. <laughs> We're going to break it down. When I break it down, though, some of you are like, oh, my. Okay. Family. And you're like, obviously, Pastor Way. And the third word is future. Faith, family, and future. When I look at our church, those three things are apparent. Those three things are happening Those three things are the better descriptions than I've ever heard of our church. Faith, family, and some of you are like, football? (laughs) Next week, let's go. Starts. Can't wait. All right, anyway, back to this, back to this. Faith, 
family future. Here's the first one. We're faith-filled. We are faith-filled so we can be faithful. I'm going to unpack this a little bit. And here, here, here's what I'm talking about. I don't believe we have any other option but to be a church that believes God for the impossible. Here's why I say that. Because you and I, because of our past experiences, we know the possibility of impossibilities. And we've seen God so many times get us through some impossible situations. Amen? And no doubt, there's a lot to reflect and learn from those situations. But when you step back, you can see, man, I really wasn't that good. That was the faithfulness of God that got me through that. I should have went to jail. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, too. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all are like, jail, I should have died. <laughs> crazy people up in this church. That's why you need the Lord. To turn you crazy and make you Christ-like. We're called to be a church that believes God for the impossible because I have sat with enough people that have prayer requests that are literally impossible. And the question I ask you today is where are people going to go to have someone that will stand and believe with them that God can work a miracle in the middle of this crazy situation? A lot of people can give them some, some positive, encouraging affirmation. But I'm talking about someone who can stand in faith, praying the hard prayers, even though the diagnosis was different, even though all the different situations are telling you a different story. Someone that will say, I won't stop praying that it changes. In the face of the worst news, I will pray according to the good news. Amen? And so this puts us in a place that our faith cannot just be a doctrinal statement. It cannot just be something that is written on paper, but it must be something that is alive in our hearts, and it calls us to action. It's not an opinion about what we believe, but it's a call to action with what we believe. So when we describe Emerge Church as we are a church that has faith, I'm not just talking about I have an opinion on chapter and verse in the Bible. And if you would like to get together at the coffee shop, we can debate it. I'm talking about the people that are walking with friends and family where there is a diagnosis or there is a disaster and they need someone to bring faith to the hospital room and say, look, I know there's a lot of hard feelings in here, but let's pray and believe God can bring healing. Let's pray and believe God can restore the family, even though the statistics say this and all of the people say that. We believe God can do it. Amen. That's us. That's who we, I believe God is calling us to be. And our faith, watch this, is spirit-filled and it is spirit-led. Can I get an amen? It is the, we're not pushing the Holy Spirit to the side like the fancy comforter on the bed. 
but we're using the comforter. The comforter, the Holy Spirit, is alive and active in our lives, filling us and leading us, and it is God, through the Holy Spirit, that is making us more and more and more like him. Can I get an amen? Amen. So when we say faith, you can't just be throwing that around like it was on a t-shirt. Because I know you can go get that little plaque at Hobby Lobby that says faith, family, and football. <laughs> God first. You ain't been to church in two years. God ain't first in your life. Come on, somebody. Just nudge your neighbor right there for me. I ain't going to nudge him, but you will. Okay. Faith filled. Here's the second one. We are family. I almost had him cue up the song. Oh, no. hey. We are family. Look, sing it. I got on. People stressing out right now because we singing that at church. They're getting up. You ain't going to the bathroom. You're leaving. We know what's going on. Okay. We believe that everyone belongs to a family. And they belong in the family of God. Amen? Amen. We do. We belong to the family. And by the way, we are for families. The family that God created, one man, one woman, united in holy matrimony with sons and daughter, we are for the family. Amen? Amen? But we are also family. And I know the word community has been thrown around forever with church. Just want to be a part of a community. Listen, community is voluntary. Community is voluntary. Family, if you don't show up at Christmas, they calling you. Now, if you don't show up for church, I'm not calling you. I'm not. I'm sorry. Where you at? Can you imagine that, Jamie? Jamie, where you at today? I'm about to get up and preach. You ain't here. I can't preach till you get here. Everybody's waiting. Oh, man, the show got to go on. When we say we're family, this is what we're saying. There is a commitment to the family of God. That this isn't just something we think about doing or we're going to possibly do. This is what we do. We are family. And so when we say Emerged Church and you're part of the Emerged Church family, like you got to understand the consequence that you come and get in a family with these crazy people. And some of y'all are like, I, I don't know, Pastor Wade, you're doing a pretty good job of getting me out of here today. And some of you are like, I'm jumping in. This is awesome. It's family. Church is a spiritual family that God created for believers to grow in. Amen? That's what church is. And too many times we have treated church like a consumer product. And I I, I do have to preach this, and I'm going to be honest as I preach this, that too many times church has been our option when it should be our priority. Seriously. And then when things start falling apart, we run back and thank God you run back. But listen, let's get some preventative maintenance going. Amen? Come on now. Let's go. All right. There are a lot of churches in this city. And there are brothers and sisters in Christ. And thank God for them. And can I just say, we're not in competition with other churches. And if you think we are, man, you're wrong. We're not. We need them. We need all the different churches in our city to reach different kinds of people. There, unfortunately, there will be some people that will not come to this church. Wish they would, but they will not. 
But there's another church they're going to go to, and thank God they're going to go there because they need a spiritual family. Am I right? And this takes it a whole nother level because a lot of times we make these commitments, I'm going to go to church, and I think it's good to go to church, but let's come and be a part of the church family. Amen? I'm a part of the church family. And so as a family member, I'm not just sitting at the table. I may do some dishes. Hey, to the men. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to pitch in together. Listen, and this I'm, I'm just trying to paint a picture for you as a church because if we're not careful in the heart to try to reach a lot of people, we will present a model that gives a whole lot and requires nothing of people and therefore present a version of church, a version of Jesus, and a version of the gospel. And that even though we say it's free, it puts people in a place they don't learn things like sacrifice. Amen. They don't learn things like honor. They don't learn things like faithfulness. And that is not the proper picture of scripture that is to be passed down from generation to generation. Amen. And so being a part of a church family puts us in a place that we not only learn from example, but we also have to be an example because we're growing up. And as we grow up, there's an expectation. Come on, my kids come to my house and eat because they're coming back now. If you're coming back to eat and I'm buying all this food and I'm cooking it for you, you're going to bring some dishes to the sink. And you're going to help your mama load the dishwasher while I sit down and watch. While I clean the pots. Anyway. So watch this, different churches in our community, and they have, watch this, their houses of worship. Just like there are many families in our community, and they have their houses where they live. But we're in this community together. This is just the house that we worship in. This is where we come together on Sundays to worship. But there is something more to it than just this gathering. This is a spiritual family that God is calling us to be a part of. God is calling you to be a part of a spiritual family somewhere. Maybe it's not here. I hope it is. But if it's not, you've got to be a part of a spiritual family, a church somewhere. Amen. Amen? He's like, well, it's just me and Jesus. No, it ain't. It's you, Jesus, and a church family. Quit trying to do orphan Christianity. All right, back to the message. Okay. With that being said, I believe God has given us a grace for families. I do. I believe God has given us a grace to minister to families. And listen, there was so much proof of that last week when you see generations in the church. So much of it. And so for us as a church, faith, family. We are for the family, but we're also for the family of God. This is important to us. Amen? Family of God is important to us. Here's the third thing. We raise up future generations. We raise up future generations generations. And when I looked up here last week, this just so solidified all this stuff that the Lord has been speaking to me, because I believe God has given us a grace for generations in this house, for generation after generation after generation. And again, I'm not just talking about age. Don't get so caught up on age, because if you're older in here, you're like, well, there goes us. (laughs) I remember when I was a youth pastor, People who were older in the church would say things like this. Everything we do is for the kids. And I didn't know how to respond to that always. 
And there was an older gentleman that was in our church. His name was Mr. Harold Allison, and he would take me to do prison ministry from time to time. And one Thursday night, we were on our way to the Ascension Parish Prison, and he set it up for this young guy who was just learning to preach to have the opportunity to speak somewhere, anywhere. And on the way there, this man said something that blessed my life so much, and it gave me so much perspective that from one generation to another, I want to pass on to you. And he asked me if I recall in Acts chapter 2, whenever Peter was quoting the prophet Joel. I said, yeah, I remember that. And he said, do you remember where it says your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams? I said, yeah. This is what he told me. He said, my prayer for you as a young man is that God will give you vision, vision for the future. But he said, I'm praying for me as an old man that God will give me a dream for the future. A lot of times we get spooky with visions and dreams, especially in churches. You know, I had a dream. What does that mean? It can have some meaning, but sometimes you just ate too much. Or you shouldn't have watched that episode of CSI Vegas, okay? Because <laughs> trust me, some of that stuff, bro, it make you dream some things, okay? He looked at me and he told me this. I'll never forget it. It was one of the most affirming moments in my life. He looked at me and he said, Wade, I'm dreaming for you. I'm dreaming for you. And it touched my life so deeply. I've never forgotten it. And as we started this church, I told the Lord, I want to be like Mr. Harold. I don't want to get older and looking back at my ministry experiences and trying to force another generation to fit into the mold that God used to mold my life and the songs that God used to minister to my life and the messages from those preachers that touched my life. But I wanted to be the guy that grew older and dreamed for the next generation and have a church that dreams for the next generation and not getting caught up in age discrimination, but realizing that God does things generationally. It's amazing how we sing songs like The Blessing and we love it so much how God wants to bless from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. But when we start talking like this, we feel like God's forgotten about us. God hasn't forgotten about us, but as we get older, it's this understanding that God's bringing you to the place of maturity, that you got to begin to look forward. you got to begin to look ahead, not just for your life, but for a generation that's coming after you, because church isn't just a place we go to. It's a move of God that started many, many years ago, and it's a generational thing, and I'm bound and determined that in my generation, that we're going to carry this torch, and we're going to carry this flame and we're going to pass it to another generation to carry and run with in the middle of a dark world and their generation is going to carry a torch and pass it on to another generation and no matter the age no matter the stage we will be a church that raises up future 
generations. We will be a church that raises up future ministers and pastors and worship leaders, missionaries, and teachers of the Word of God. One of the most honorable things to happen last Sunday was to know that there were people from in this house that have been raised up in this house that are stepping into leadership roles now in ministry. That we didn't have to look outside, but we were able to look within. And God has been raising them up. And can I say, there's more to come. There's so many more to come. And so when you hear Emerge Church, I need you to think faith-filled. I need you to think we are family. We don't just do family. And we're not just trying to build a community. We're more than community. Amen? We, we, we got some blood involved, and it's the blood of Jesus. There's a little bit more to it. And so there's a commitment. I need you. You need me. We need each other. Let's do this thing called family. Amen? But we are thinking, and we're dreaming, and we're looking forward, and we're raising up future generations. We're raising up future generations. Leaders in the church, some of you never thought you could be a leader in a church because you got a past. Some sketchy stuff that if people found out, they may not want to be your friend anymore. And the person sitting next to you, they probably got some too. And the guy on the other row on the other side that was lifting his hands during worship and looks like he don't have a problem, he got some too. But God's still raising people up. And he should. God should be able to take what looks impossible and make it possible. We're looking forward. But in order to do that, We've got to move on from the past. And as we finish this morning, I want to pray for those who are stuck in the past. Stuck in the past. Some of you, your career, it's stuck in the past. The position that you're in right now, you're comparing it to where you were 10 years. I just wish it was like it was 10 years ago. It's not going to be if you have moved up from just being a worker into supervision. It's not going to be because now you're responsible for much more than just the papers and the product. Now you're responsible for the people that do the papers and the product. Come on, somebody. Wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. Supervisor. Some of us are stuck, watch this, with past success. We're still touting our past successes. But it's been 23 years and eight months since that happened. And what if success is right there, right now? But you're so focused on what went wrong. For families in here, there's people sitting in here today. There were some past things that happened in your family. And you have allowed that to create the trajectory for your family. And you've led more from what we don't want to happen. From having a vision and a dream for what you do want to see God do in your family. This is what I mean when I say stuck in the past. There are people in here that are still stuck in behaviors from college. And you can flip the switch, go to a ball game and you see any type of alcohol and within five seconds you're transported back to keg parties whenever you were in college. And embarrassing your families 
and then posting it on social media. God, I love you enough to tell you this stuff. It's time to move on from the past and step into who God's creating you to be, who God wants you to be. It's time to step into it. The, the, the move from the past to looking forward is a step. And it starts with what you're looking at. Because you're looking at that thing from the past because you think it keeps giving you value. You think it keeps giving you identity. You think it's, it, it's not giving you that. It's an image. It's an image, and that image is over. You don't have all that hair anymore. You're bald now. Trust me, I see it in the mirror. I know. You used to have awesome hair, long hair, wavy. It was awesome. Now it's gone, and I wear hats. But my wife loves me. Let's go. My kids pick on me. Their day is coming. I'm looking forward to it. You see how I did there? Anyway, anyway, come back to the spiritual moment. Back to the spiritual moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in here today, and as you heard this message today, you say, Pastor Wade, I'm struggling with the past. I'm struggling with the past. It's discreet as you can. I just want you to look up and look right back down. I'm struggling with the past. Come on. A lot of people have looked up. Struggling with the past. Struggling with the past. Maybe it's church stuff. I know. I've had to deal with it too. Some people think when you're the pastor of the church, you just do everything the way you want it to in a church. Can I just tell you that ain't true? Come on, Pastor Andre, help a brother out. It ain't true. But it's a matter of doing what the Lord wants us to do to reach people. And today, I believe the Lord wants us to begin to look forward. Father, I pray for every person in here that's been looking back to moments. Maybe it's been a moment in their marriage that they've been looking back to and saying, if we could just get back to that. Maybe it's a moment when they had experienced such a season of success and they just want to get back to that. Or maybe it was a moment that hurt them so much, it's defined so much of their lives and they've been struggling to try to get back, get away from it. But for whatever reason, it just holds them there. Father, today I'm praying that you will overpower the past and help us to look forward. To look forward with faith, believing that you can not just make it good, but there is a dream. There is the possibility. There is a hope that is ahead. Father, I just ask you today to set us free from the strongholds of the past and set us up, Father, for where you want to take us. So today we make the conscious decision. We're working on forgetting the past so that we can look forward. And I want you, under your breath, for everyone that's struggling with the past, I want you to begin to think about the things that you're looking forward to. You may just say, I'm just looking forward to the day that I don't have to feel this way. Let's start looking forward to it. Maybe you're saying, I'm just looking forward to the day 
that I can have success again. Let's start looking forward to it then. Let's start speaking it. Let's start praying it. Instead of just praying, God, make the past go away, make the past go away. Let's start praying, God, bring the future in. Help me to step into the future. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. Come on. Your best days aren't behind you. You had some good ones, but you still got breath in your body. Come on. I need you to stand to your feet this morning because I got to finish this. And I just got to affirm you. You're still breathing. So God's still got something for you. You say, but pastor, I made some mistakes. That's okay. Jesus went to the cross for the mistakes so that you can be forgiven. Quit trying to fix what he's already forgiven and start moving forward. Amen? It's time to start moving forward. It's time to dream again. It's time to see the possibilities of restoration from, for your family. It's time to see restoration for your mental health. Instead of just continually declaring it over yourself that you're depressed all the time, start saying, I see myself free from this. I see myself with joy. I see myself with hope. Come on, it's time to dream again. It's time to see it again. It's time to begin to confess it. Instead of quoting all the stuff that was. Let's start talking about what will be, what is. Father, thank you that you make all things new. All things new. The relationship, the heart, the innocence, you're making it new today. We thank you for it, God. We're looking forward. We're looking forward. Looking forward. God, I pray that there will be a maturity that comes about us we grow into who you want us to be full of faith living in a spiritual family raising up future generations we're looking forward to it in Jesus name amen amen come on you looking forward today